lives. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So God sent me ahead of you to ensure for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me, but it was God. Wow. And he has made me, watch this language, father to Pharaoh? I'm Pharaoh's dad? Pharaoh calls me Papa? And Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. How's that for some authority? How's that for prestige and dignity and power? And then he says, hurry, go to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. For you shall live in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide for you. For there are still five years of famine to come. And you and your household and all that you have would, will not be impoverished. I will provide for you. Behold, your eyes see me and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that is talking to you. And then verse 13. Now you must tell dad, you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Now we're going to skip down to verse 24. Uh, The next section really just goes on and on in detail about how the brothers and all the attendants are going to go back to Canaan and they are they came as poor, they're leaving as rich. They've got wagons, there's changes of clothes, there's money, there's all kinds of food. Uh, the best novelties of Egypt are loaded on these, these camels and donkeys and wagons and all this stuff. So they're going back as rich, blessed men. Verse 24. So he sent his brothers away. And as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. Does anybody, okay, do you think that's interesting? Why in the world would he say, would all y'all please not fight when you're going back to dad's house, please? Why? Well, there's an answer, we'll get to it. And so they told, they told dad and they said, Joseph is still alive. And indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned for he did not believe them. Can you imagine when they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them? And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, then the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Wow, beautiful. All right, let's walk through this. This is really important. So the first thing I want to do, just kind of focus on one to three. Joseph could not control himself. All right, let's just develop that idea. When you've experienced trauma, when you've experienced the severe loss of family, a spouse, a child, family, uh, and there is a devastating void in, in your life, particularly in a foreign land, it is overwhelming. 
There are times when I've done uh, mission work in El Salvador and Argentina, Guatemala, Mexico, and a few places. And, you know, the, when you first kind of get into that, you're kind of okay with the language. You know, donde esta el baño? You just really nail the language down. And thank you. And you go, wow, this is cool, man. I'm in Argentina, you know, and I know a little Portuguese or a little Spanish or something. Great. But after a while, you know what happens? You go, these ain't my people. I am not Mexican. I am not an Argentine. I'm not, I've been into Russia. Wow. I wanted to go home when I was in Russia. That place is dark. Alcoholism on a national level. Could go on and on about that, that event. I've been there a few times. Man, I'm not from there. Talk about lonely. Uh, uh, real quick, I was in Guatemala, the maid at our mission compound, which was behind Bob wire and walls. Stole my briefcase. Ryan, big mistake. If it was important, it was in my briefcase. Big mistake. Should have had it in two or three different spots. So when she stole it, I can't prove who I am. Had to hire a lawyer to get me out of the country. You think I felt like, I'm not home. I want to go home. You know, Joseph's not home. He's experienced tremendous trauma. And his heart is breaking. Okay. And when he started to see, you guys know what triggers are? Trauma triggers, you know what they are? Something happens, you see it, you smell it, you hear it, something's going on, and it stirs up something deep inside of you. When Joseph saw his brothers, do you think it hit him deep? You bet it did. And finally, when, when Judah finally spoke with humility and responsibility, I think that's what Joseph's heart longed for. He longed for that. Because those guys were full of pride and those guys were irresponsible and abused him horribly. But when he finally, somebody he loved, spoke in gentleness and responsibility, it, it uncorked the bottle. And boy, did the tears come out. And he cried with such intensity that it could be heard by the Egyptians. And that itself was so significant it was reported to Pharaoh's house. Wow. And his brothers were terrified. Oh, bad. <laughs> I imagine they were. Look at this next block. 49. Please come closer to me. Just a real quick comment about relationship. We need proximity. We need it. We are not wired to be alone. We are not wired to be detached and isolated. Uh, one of the reasons why... Depression and anxiety are on this massive spike during the COVID uh, uh, epidemic is that it's created isolation, which accelerates loneliness, accelerates depression, all this stuff. I'm telling you, we want to be near. We are wired by God to be close to our proximity. Um, I, I love what Joseph said. He said, guys, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me. You think Joseph is being a truth teller? Yeah. Do you see the balance of grace and truth? Don't be grieved. Okay. Don't shame yourself into the dirt. Don't be angry. Don't get into self-loathing. Don't go there. But you did sell me. <laughs> He's not compromising. Like, you know what y'all did? That wasn't that big of a deal. That wasn't nothing. There's other people that have it way worse than I do. I hear that all the time from high trauma clients. Well, there's somebody else that has, has it worse than I do. 
No, Joseph is speaking grace and truth. Don't be grieved. Don't be angry. How's that for grace? Because you sold me. (laughs) I like that. And then look at this. Pay attention. Three times he says, God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you. Verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Okay? Now, that is called reframing, or that is called the new perspective. Right? What, how, how should we see some of the worst experiences of our lives? What should we do with that? Are there a variety of perspectives we could engage over some of the worst things that have happened to us, or the best for that matter? Joseph reframed it and said, God sent me, God sent me, not you, but God. That is very profound. All right, just a little bit more. Uh, This is what your son Joseph says. God made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down, don't delay. Verse 13, tell dad of all my splendor. Does that sound like pride and ego? What do you think? Is it pride and ego? All my splendor, all my glory. It sounds like he's trying to comfort his father. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. And you know what else, Margaret? Healed people who have been broken know how to see themselves for who they are. And it's okay to talk about. Was Joseph and his life splendous? Oh yeah, (laughs) you bet it was. And he simply called it for what it was. You tell dad of my glory, my splendor, of all that's going on, all that you've seen. And he's 14 and 15. He fell on his brother Benjamin's neck, his baby brother. And he wept. Man, Joseph is one quiet crying dude. It's all through here. He's crying. Joseph wept and Joseph wept and Joseph wept. He is. He has got a huge heart. And then Benjamin weeps on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. You ready? When you feel safe with another human being, you can talk with them. If you're, on, if you're watching online, Facebook, thank you. Please get ready to, to engage with me. When you're safe with another person, you can open up and talk. But if you're not, the opposite happens. Bang! The walls, the doors shut and lock, and you're going to go cheap and shallow. How are you? Fine. What's wrong? Nothing. And you stay on that shallow, cheap, safe level of communication. But man, when you are safe, emotionally, you can open up and talk. I think that's beautiful. Um, 16 to 23, it's all about how they're heading back to Canaan to get dad, and wow, are they blessed. Let's look at this again. Verse 24. So, Melissa, he sent his brothers away, rich, And then says, do not quarrel on the journey. Can y'all get along on the vacation back home? Can't y'all y'all get along? Why? Melissa, why do you think he said that? I just read this at home, and I I actually feel like it's 
It is. Because um, that's what led to all of, all of this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, Melissa, here's how I see it. And I think you and I are spot on the same page. People who are argumentative tend to make bad decisions. Soak that up. People who are argumentative tend to make bad decisions. Hot-headed people, argumentative, mad, chip-on-the-shoulder people typically are impulsive. You get one, you're going to get the other. So hot-headed, argumentative, impulsive people tend to make bad decisions. And so here he is. He's not only dad of Pharaoh, he's dad right now to his brothers and says parentally, don't argue with each other going home. This is about dad, not about you. Now, okay, let's have some fun. Let's say they did argue. What are they going to argue about going back? Absolutely. It was your fault. It was your idea. I didn't do nothing. You're the one that grabbed him. I didn't grab him. They told me to grab him. Can you hear this thing play out? Ed, what a scene for a movie. Oh, my goodness. The bickering, the blaming. Of course, we never do that. We never blame anybody for our stuff. Now, Adam and Eve did. That's a whole other deal. Okay. Our perception of reality. Our perception of reality. I believe, ready, that education and culture can shape our view of reality. Sure can. You know what? You ready for this? There are not 26 genders. There's not. Okay, I know. Oh, the shock of it. Trust the science. Trust the science. The X and the Y. Trust the science. There are not 26. There's only two. Now, you ready? I'm going to be fair to my craft there could be thousands of genders psychologically. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yep, yep. You can, you can go down any path you so choose, but biologically, medically, scientifically, there's two genders, okay? And there are lots of people spending a false sense of reality through education, da-da-da, you get the point. Our perception of reality can be shaped, changed, developed by education, culture, family, relationships. Basic human need, peer pressure, sin, addiction, shame, bitterness, and God's word and faith. Your perception of reality. By the way, you know what else affects your perception of reality? Trauma. And you know what tends to be true? Tends, hear me gracefully. Children who have been abused and all kinds of nasty by mom and dad, oftentimes... There's a tendency to have a distorted view of gender when they become adults. Okay? Okay. Check this out. All right. What's this picture of? You've got a limited perspective. Any man's guess at this point? Cloud in the sky. Oh, goodness. College was good to you. You didn't go to college? You're extra smart. Anybody else? Yes. Oh, that's good. You're smart. Yes, smart little girl. Anybody else? Take a wild guess. How about this one? This helps. A view from the ground. <laughs> okay, that, yeah, there you go. You're getting some perspective is everything. How about this one? The Eiffel Tower, right? 
Now, you wouldn't see the glory of the Eiffel Tower and, and architectural genius and engineering that just is mind-boggling that made that if you don't step back and see the big picture. So watch this about perspectives. You can see your life from your own perspective. That's all you got, just your own perspective. Or you can see it from the perspective of others. You are what other people say you are. Or you should feel what other people say you should feel or believe or how you should behave. Or you can see this thing from God's perspective. The big, big picture. Makes sense? Okay. So watch this. From Joseph, from the Joseph story of Genesis 45. Is it healthy for Joseph to say, I deserve the abuse? No? Anybody else? I deserve? No. I don't believe anybody deserves abuse. I do believe that there are some people who deserve punishment. And they're vastly different. Right? What happens in our law enforcement culture if for a legitimate crime, that crime is not punished? There could be an arrest. There could be process at the jail. And you bail out for 10 bucks and no accountability. What happens? Absolutely. Okay. Some people deserve to be punished because what they've done is punishable. It's a crime. We're not talking about that in Joseph's case. I don't believe Joseph deserved the abuse, even if he was wrong. I don't believe that. Is it fair for, just, uh, for, for Joseph to say, you victimized me? Is that a valid perspective? Actually, it is. It's the truth. He was victimized. But what about this one? God sent me. Is that a valid perspective? Absolutely. Which became dominant? Dominant. No. Let's re- I want you to use your, 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 your imagination again. Can you imagine Joseph? He's 17. He's a kid. He's sold. He's being you know, pulled off of this camel. You know, sold first by the brothers, then by the, the, the human traffickers, the Midianites, and the other ites, and I can't recall them going from one set of, of human traffickers to the others. He's bouncing back and forth, being sold and resold until he finally gets to Egypt where he's resold again. What do you think was on his mind? Do you think he had the mature perspective? Calm down, breathe, think happy thoughts, really taste my coffee, think about my coffee at this moment. God's in this. God's in this. You know. What was he thinking about? Survival. Survival, scared, what's going to happen. Uh, and then he gets there, and then he ends up in prison shortly thereafter. Potentially in prison up to 10, 11, 12 years. When did it go? God said, I get it. This, this is a God thing? This whole thing is a God thing? <gasps> And how many times did he, the voice in his head shifted from, how could they do that? How could they do that to me? I I did nothing. I wore the coat. Dad told me to, oh my, this is wrong. And then he goes, God sent me. God sent me. God's in this. God sent me, God sent me, God sent me. How many times did he let that statement 
course through his, body, his, his brain, neurons firing. God sent me. God sent me. This is about God. This is about God. He's the one who sent me. And it's like really clicking. They didn't send me. He did. I mean, it is becoming the perspective of Joseph. I think it's absolutely amazing. All right, guess what? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, God's got a plan. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. All right, and if I could comment, I'd say this. God's trying to make you look like Jesus, okay? How's that? God's trying to make you look like, act like, talk like Jesus. That's what the whole thing's about. So that Jesus Christ is the firstborn and proven as the firstborn among many converts, many brothers and sisters who are born again. And these whom he, these Christians whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified, and these whom he justified, he glorified. Do you realize that's Joseph's story? He was called Alyssa. And, and then he says, hey guys, hey, when you go tell dad that, that I'm alive, you talk of my splendor. You talk of my glory. Pharaoh looks at me as though I'm his dad. <laughs> of a nation of amazing people. You tell him of my splendor. Wow, he, I just see the whole sequence playing out. With Joseph. All right, you ready, Christ Church? You are the body of Christ. God's Spirit is inside of you. You've been born again. You have been gifted. We need each other. Man, we need each other. You, you see the summary of the key, the key references from the story. What does God want to accomplish in me and in you? You're the church. What is it going to take for us to go from a really super healthy un, un perspective. I deserve this. Anything bad, bad happens in my life, I deserve it. By the way, if Russia invades Ukraine, it's my fault. Somehow, it's my fault. It's traceable back to me, you know. That really pathogenic view of self. How do you go from the 17-year-old who's a victim <coughs> to the guy who's saying, hey, 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 stop, stop. No grieving. Stop. Stop the anger. Stop that. This is all about God. God sent me here, not you. And I know what you did to me, and I'm not so stupid I can't see it. But I'm telling you, God's perspective overrides yours. God sent me here. How do you, how do you go to that place? Yes. Alyssa, what do you think? Could you translate that for me, Alyssa? It's a great question. Would you answer your sister's question? How does it go from being all about the brothers to now it's about God? It's really good. Thank you. Well, it's a maturity of your faith. 
be born again before you could even remotely begin to see that. But early, yeah. I think back early in my faith, you know, going through struggles, I didn't see God in them until I was on the, until I was through it. And then I could look back and was like, oh. That, but one of the reasons I knew that is because I studied the scripture. And it just, you don't just start there. You have to study scripture and it's, it, you know, what it's saying to, in context. Yes. To be able to start to see those things in your life. And you can yeah. start to forgive and you can start to move forward. And as your faith grows and you mature, then when you're in the struggle, you can rely and know that this is a God thing. Yeah. Instead yeah. of waiting till the end. That is so good. Um, you're aware of John 8 where Jesus says, hey guys, truth sets you free. Right? Truth sets you free. And of course, he's talking about the gospel. But the principle is still true. Truth sets free. Now, if truth sets free, the opposite is also true. Lies hold in bondage. Truth sets free. Lies hold you in bondage. I'm Paul. Well, I wonder if the brothers could come when Joseph was still in prison. If it's still been the same. Ooh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. I think it's once yeah. he got the power and could see dream, you know, what was going to happen, he knew he was going to be a help. Wow. Wow. And so with the dreams, he was able to interpret them and know what part he had in all this. Wow. Ouch. Because what that means is there's a purpose in suffering. Mm -hmm. And we want to avoid that, right? But sometimes it's the very thing that makes us suffer that breaks open our eyesight to the will of God, our heart and our ears. Somebody else? Maybe Stephen, somebody online? Yes? Yeah, Jay says, by saying God sent him ahead, maybe Joseph was also addressing a temptation to twist the facts and motive so they could take credit for Joseph's success. Ooh, that's good, Jay. Good insight. Yeah, that's good. Very good, yeah. Yes, he, he says, report to Dad my glory, not our glory. I like that. Someone else? Why does this matter? Andrew? I just read it almost as if this revelation is coming to him at that moment that God did it for him. That yeah. You know, there's been a significant amount of time between their first visit, them returning. Uh, that's good. Okay, so we've got a lot of time that's passed for everybody to think, think about. But he's had this really painful crisis and now he can look at them and he can essentially be like Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, in, in the heat of the moment. And just in so much mercy, so much mercy looking at them and not wanting them to be punished. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And Brandon, that's essentially what you said the other day. That same thing, that maybe this revelation is coming late. And not early. That's so good. By the way, that Andrew hinted at it already. That idea, God sent me, God sent me, it wasn't you, it was him, is fully developed in chapter 50. Please read ahead. Read ahead. Memorize ahead. It's truly amazing. Somebody else on why this matters and how we live this out.
as emotionally too, and I think that that just speaks a lot to the character of who God is, that he would want us to be able to restore and repair. Yeah, that is very wise, Erin. Um, I have heard adults repeatedly through the years say, like if you're gonna if you're gonna talk to mom or dad and say, Mom, Dad, hi, what do you want for Christmas? And they'll say, I just want my kids to get along, <laughs> you know. What do you want for I just want all all y'all to love each other, you know. And you're smiling because you know it's true. And uh, and how many times have I heard that, you know? I just want y'all to be nice and get along. Uh, I'm just I'm just telling you, I think I think Jacob also named Israel by this time, when he found out there was healing among his brothers, his sons, and that he was alive and, and there was hope. It says that the, the spirit of Jacob revived. Wow. Does it make mommy and daddy's hearts happy when the kids are reconciled? Oh, yes, yes. Does it break mommy and daddy's heart when there's warring and feuding and arguing among the siblings? Yes, it does. It really does. So, anybody else? In fact, there's actually some language uh, in the previous chapters that indicate Jacob, Israel, is kind of moving toward a hopeless perspective. He's been given all these promises, directly heard God's voice, but it's, he's, he's, he's breaking down. There's been so much heartache, the loss of, the, loss of his, the one woman that he truly loved, Rachel. And it goes on and on, you know, and the belief that his son Joseph is dead. All these things, yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Somebody online or anybody? Why this matters? Okay. How about me and you? Let's try to get, get to where it applies to us. What do you think God wants to accomplish in us? What do you think? What does God want to accomplish in us? Absolutely, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, that is the big pick. That's where the party goes. Whether it's as Andrea alluded to, that that revelation comes late, that insight comes late in the, in the journey, or whether it's early and something he cultivated. Either way, to get to that place where you're going, wow, 
God sending me. God sending me to UAMS to work. God sending me to the farmers and to get them off the tractor and to talk to them about the, the, the fields and the condition of the soil. God's sending me whatever, whatever employment you have. Uh, what about this one? You ready for the ouchy moment? Can we handle it? God's sending me to my family. My spouse. My kids. God's sending me to my home. That's tough. That's tough. You know, sometimes it's, it's easier to treat a complete stranger with respect. Well, hello there, young lady. Let me get the door for you. And she's like, well, thank you, young man, you know. And, and we're acting like princes. We're pretty good dudes. Come on in here, young lady. I hope you have a wonderful day shopping. And then you go home. <laughs> Ooh. It's like a toxic nuclear bomb goes off when you walk in the door. To your family? What if God is wanting to send you to your own threshold, your own dinner table, for you to be a part of the answer forevermore and not a part of the problem? Come on. Truth sets free. First John 4, uh, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. don't keep asking the question, is this going to work out? Right? Like when you're spiritually mature, you're always wondering if this whole thing's going to fall apart. <laughs> and when you become spiritually mature and you've had that experience with God for so long, you transition over to, it's going to be okay. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you just don't yeah. lose your yeah. stuff at yeah. every moment because you don't think you're actually in control when you buy <laughs> That's so wise, uh, Justin. You remind me of what Jesus said in Matthew 7 that if we listen to his words and we obey his words, it's as though our life is like a house built on a solid rock. And the same winds blow, the same rain, the same flood hits, but the house stands, as opposed to the person that hears, ignores, denies, refuses to believe. And their house is on the sand, and the same stuff hits their lives, and they fall apart. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. All right. You guys have been so kind. Thank you. Anybody else, Stephen, online? Okay. Um, I want to pray and I want to I want to bless you to have the wisdom of Joseph that you would be able to say, you know what? I'm getting it. I'm I'm a missionary on earth. God is sending me out whether it's to the, my own threshold, my own dinner table, my own marriage, my kids, my parents, it doesn't matter. My mission field is at home or my mission field is going to be in my neighborhood, my church, etc., etc. You get the idea. God is sending you. Let me pray for you. Abba Father, you're good, you're kind. Thank you that you loved us so much. You sent your son. And Jesus knew, just like Joseph, finally figured it out that he was sent by you. What a love, what a gift. Um, 
Lord, I pray that anybody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior will experience the deep work of the Holy Spirit and will literally feel the conviction of the Spirit. And they'll be born again but put their faith in you. And the Lord Jesus Christ will give them the new birth. Please, Father, thank you for what Jay said and thank you for the way your kindness is made real to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.